0: Hello and welcome to another episode of my weekly show I'm Father Roderick Recording this barefoot Like a hobbit (laughs) And my feet are cooling down After a long training walk The last training walk before the big 4 day Walking event that I'll be participating in Or partaking in next week This episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons over at Patreon.com slash Father Roderick. I really appreciate their monthly support. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So I've been walking uh, for a couple of hours uh, today. Not that much. It's like when you're training for a marathon. Usually when you're approaching the race, you you tend to run less and less. So you keep your energy for uh, for the big event. This is a slightly different. So I'm going to walk four days from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Every day I'm walking 40 kilometers, starting at either 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning so that we arrive around noon. And uh, I'm raising money for charity, so that's 160 kilometers. And I'm raising money for uh, for um, uh, mothers, expectant mothers, and young mothers and their children, either unborn or born. And um, uh, uh, the 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 project try, wants to provide care and um, and sometimes free medication also for these women in uh, in in poorer countries. So that gives me a reason to walk. And uh, But I, I had the wrong type of socks on my feet this morning. So I, I have these socks that I bought when I was walking to Santiago de Compostela. And I wanted to have a, a good system because socks are so important. Shoes and socks are the most important ingredients for a successful or an unsuccessful walk. They, they often contribute to either a carefree walk or a walk uh, full of blisters and blisters is not fun I can tell you that from experience so I have um, still have these socks that I that I um, use during the Camino I had two pairs uh, one for for uh, alternate days and then when one pair was on my feet the other pair was drying uh, because I washed them every evening but for this four day event, I wanted to get two new pairs of socks. but of course, it's now three years later, so they don't didn't have exactly the same the same well, they had the same brand, but not the same type of socks, so I had to uh, kind of uh, test them out and uh i have actually every day I wear two pairs of socks. I have um these uh well kind of very lightweight um uh, inner socks are very thin, and these are actually meant to cool down your feet and to transmit the perspiration uh, from your feet to the outer sock, which is made out of wool. Sounds kind of contrary to what you think, when because I always associate wool with very warm feet, but this wool actually helps your feet to stay cool as well. Plus, they also help in getting rid of the. Of the moisture from your feet which then in 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 turn also prevents blisters um, so it took a while to test them out and for so for today i um i was wearing socks in my walking boots that uh were gifted to me on my birthday i think two years ago and those socks are also made for hiking but I don't like them at all. I get very, very warm feet. I think they're winter socks or something like that. they have They have the opposite effect of these professional walking socks. Uh, and that is, they seem to retain moisture and and heat. And so I arrived here at the studio uh, to record this, and I was like, I gotta get out of these shoes and out of these socks. It's terrible. So my feet are now on the floor, and the floor is really cool. <laughs> I feel like Bilbo Baggins <laughs> cooling down my feet and I will I will put on the new socks that I just bought to when I walk home. This has been a very busy week. I talk about it at length also in my other show, my other weekly show, The Walk. So if you go to tridio.com, you will be able to find the feed to that particular um, series of podcasts. Uh, but in a nutshell, we've been uh, doing, we've, we started the renovation of the studios I'm recording this in the studio downstairs, which is the one that we uh, uh refurbished uh two years ago I think, but upstairs um, nothing was done, and everything still uh looks pretty terrible and it was in dire need of a of a fresh coat of paint and uh, and also we need to create places where our editors can work so that was a big um event almost, we, we, we got together with uh, six people, and we worked all Thursday long, we ended it with a barbecue, because <laughs> you have to feed your flock, uh, and it was great, but uh, there's still a lot of work to be done, um, I'm also very excited about uh, one of those uh, upstairs spaces that we're going to transform into a, a kitchen that we can use for for video, for uh, to record cooking shows. Um, instead of going... Well, we, we, we have a cooking series on the Dutch Channel, and it's been very successful. Um, but they had one downside. You had to travel the entire country to go and film in someone else's kitchen where you don't have proper lighting oftentimes. You may have a very noisy kitchen... Um, it, it may be against the wall, so it's very hard to get the camera in front of the people. So, a lot of disadvantages. And so, we said, well, since we're going to renovate upstairs anyway, why not rebuild an entire kitchen? But to, to build it in such a way that it is much easier to film in that kitchen and we have like the proper lighting and, and it will have a cooking island, so it's much easier to um, to, to produce more cooking episodes. And I'm secretly thinking maybe I can do something for my international audience with that as well because I, I did some cooking a long time ago and it was a lot of fun. I posted the, the recipes on YouTube and uh, that also, there's a, a lot of interest for for that kind of stuff. But we'll see. We'll do this step by step. Next week, I'm going to walk and then I'm going to go to Ireland for uh, about 12 days. So it's only after three weeks that, we ret- that I return and that we can continue to build and... Um, uh, and paint the uh, upstairs. Um, back home, I, um, I'm, I've built another Lego project, which was a lot of fun. I invite you to go over to youtube.com slash Roderick and check out the building of Bilbo Baggins' home uh, in the Shire, Bag End. Uh, it was a really fun, kind of a reconstruction project, um, trying to re- recreate the original set, which is very expensive but using cheaper elements. And uh, I'm very happy with the end result. It's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm now very motivated to create more custom uh, Hobbit Lego projects. So hopefully that's going to that's gonna be a nice project for when I'm back from, from vacation. So um and then uh, I've also posted another video on YouTube which if you are a fan of Stranger Things you have to check out. Uh it's called My Stranger Things Experience and this was something that happened to me in Utrecht last week and uh, there was this promotional event around the third season of Stranger Things on Netflix and uh, you enter uh, through a door and then it you you arrive in a laboratory um and I was chosen to be the guinea pig to to be tested for telekinetic power. So basically, powers so you can move objects from a distance. And I won't I won't tell you if I have those powers. You have to look for yourself. But it was a really great. Um, basically, for me, it was Back to the Future. It was going back to my to my to the eighties, and I grew up in the eighties. So a lot of the environment that they created there, and they did a really terrific job. Reminded me of my own youth, uh, so it was a, a flash from from the past. It was a lot of fun. Again, the the video. Whoops, sorry about that. The video is up on um, on YouTube, and uh, and while you're there, make sure you subscribe. And if you've never been to my YouTube channel, there are a lot of videos. Just the other day, all my Scottish videos start to reemerge. So for some reason, the algorithm of YouTube is serving them to new viewer, so I get a lot of comments on on the videos that i filmed in Scotland. When was that? Like three or four years ago? Unbelievable. <laughs> Let's talk movies and TV shows. I do not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So I um, I was very tempted this past week to get a, a Lego set which was heavily discounted. I think this is also because of Amazon Prime Day approaching and uh, some of the older sets are now getting discounted because they want to clear inventory. And that set was L- the Lego Ninjago City, which is based on um, a fictional city uh, in the Lego Ninjago movie, which was one of those animated movies in the vein of, um, uh, what was it, uh, Batman, the Batman Lego movie, Lego Movie 1 and 2. And Ninjago is a, an intellectual property of Lego itself. Of course, they're using a lot of existing intellectual properties like Star Wars and, and uh, well, the Lord of the Rings and uh, uh, superheroes. But they also want to, of course, develop their own Themes, uh, so because then it's much cheaper for them; they don't have to pay licenses. So they, they made this movie based on a on an animation series uh, featuring these Lego ninjas. I had never seen any of that, so I didn't I didn't watch the Lego Ninjago movie. I've I've, I've watched a part of it last night, um, but I remember that my the youngest son of my brother talked about it and was uh, a while ago, and was very loved it very much. I uh, had seen the entire series. Turns out this is like a six-season uh, series <laughs> that I'd never checked out. So I found it on Netflix and started watching the first season. And it's actually quite enjoyable. It's a, it's a simple story. It reminds me a tiny little bit of Avatar, the, la- the, la- the Airbender series. Not the movie Avatar, but the and also not the movie based on the animated series, but the animated series of Avatar, uh, which is a really brilliant series. Um so it's about this, these these four young guys that are being trained as a girl so trained as ninjas by this uh, bearded um uh wise man and uh, they have to face uh like an evil guy and it was i think uh, destroying the city on a daily basis <laughs> it's a lot of fun and so the the movie uh, it takes place part p- for part part of the movie in a bustling city. It looks a little bit like Japan, uh, Hong Kong. It's an Oriental city, and this set is is a, a basically a, a, th- a three or four story high rendition of that city. It looks amazing. It was expensive. It Was very expensive, two hundred and fifty euros. Um, and, but that was with a twenty five percent discount, and it looks amazing. It's so f- I love these. These visual sets. If, if there's one thing that I've learned it, over the past few months building these projects is that I prefer to, to build little cities or houses or um, things with minifigures in it. I enjoy that much more than than spaceships or vehicles. So the technical builds are not really my thing uh, because it's just not much. It's a lot of the same. So I I loved building. Bilbo Baggin's homestead because you're building a place where stories take place so um, while I was deliberating on whether to buy that big ninjago city set or not, I was watching the that first season of Lego ninjago and um, it's it's not really done as well as the as the Lego movies, the cinematic movies because those are are made to look it's all cgi of course but they they they, it looks as if it's filmed with real lego whereas these are more animated series uh, cgi uh much cheaper um visually and well they're they're fine they look a little bit like the cutscenes in the lego video games so it's, it's okay. Uh, it's entertaining. And I'm starting to really enjoy the Ninjago world, the the stories that they tell. And, and, and uh, I'd seen a lot of those sets and it never really spoke to me. Now that you get to know the characters and kind of the overall... Mythology is a big word, but let's say the background story. Uh, I'm starting to to enjoy what they what Lego did there because it's a very unique world with or, all these Oriental elements. But there's it's also very trendy. There's also a lot of technology, so it's it's, it's very much like I, the way I imagine uh, Tokyo or something like that. Um, and in addition to that, I also watched a movie that was on my to watch list, but I just couldn't find a time to watch it for some reason. And it is the um, detective Pikachu movie um, my my youth was not uh, a Nintendo youth I'm from the generation before Nintendo so I kind of missed the entire uh, um, Pokemon craze um, but got bitten a little bit by it because of the Niantic game that came out two years ago so I I walked around f- for months trying to catch Pikachus and 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 other Um, little creatures from the world of Pokemons, or actually they're called Pokemons. And this movie um, is, I think, the first real attempt to do like a live action in combination with CGI uh, movie based on the world of Pokemon. And I'd seen the trailer and it looked fun. And I recognized a, a number of those Pokemon monsters because I'd been catching them in the game. So I finally sat down, watched the movie, and came away quite disappointed. Um it is it has not mu- doesn't have much to do with catching pokemons which is kind of the, the 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 main story is you have these kids walking around they want to become pokemon trainers so they walk around catch these pokemons train them and fight other pokemons and basically any every game is based on that premise in this movie none of that it tells the story of a a, a young boy who hears that his father has died, uh, or he's a teenager, travels to the city where his father was working as a detective, meets Pikachu, this this yellow uh, uh, creature, one of the most famous Pokemons, and, to everyone's surprise, he's able to understand Pikachu, and Pikachu talks to him with the voice of Reynolds, who plays uh, Deadpool. (laughs) And, uh, uh... but he's the only one that understands who hears something else than what other regular people hear. They only hear Pikachu, Pikachu, and he hears uh, like a full-grown detective. And then they uh, they try to investigate why, how his father died and the background of all that. The world is done nicely, the, it it's a bit a mixed bag quality wise. The first, uh, so this takes place in a world where humans live together with Pikachu's, uh, with Pokémon's. I have to say, Pokémon's. So uh, you enter a city, and half of the city uh, is filled with Pokémon's, and and they blend in pretty well. It's it's nicely done, um, and it's fun to see these these little critters that you know from the games. In uh, in a real environment, and I have to say, the interaction with the real life actress is is very well done. It's seamless. However, the the, the overall story is so bland and so predictable. And there's some good actors in there, but um, yeah, <laughs> they don't really shine. The, the dialogue is really geared towards kids, and uh, but the story, I think, is even too simple for kids. Um. So it felt a bit like the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Of course, it's a very different story. And the Transformer movies are very annoying to me because there's a lot of fighting and you don't know what's going on. But they also had that shallowness. Like the plot is always very, very shallow and, and, and the characters are one-dimensional and basically nothing really surprising happens. Well, that, that that's how this movie felt. It's it's very well executed CGI wise, although later on, um, there th- th- some of those those scenes are not that good, and you really can tell that, it, that, that that this is they they were in a rush or they didn't spend as much money or, as on the earlier part of the movie. Um, but the story is just not very engaging and not very interesting. So yeah, I would not recommend it. It was uh, it's okay. Perhaps if you're a big Pokemon fan or your kids are, then maybe this this is worth your time. But uh, as a regular moviegoer, I was uh, I was bored. <laughs> that's us visit the peculiar bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock. are the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and Christians, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And today we are going to talk about caterpillars, spiders, and Pope Francis. And they actually are related. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. I think last week I told you about this caterpillar plague that we have in the Netherlands. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of the consequences of the rising temperatures and uh, possibly climate change. These caterpillars um, are... Uh, this is a very specific type of ca- caterpillars. They grow in groups. They, they eat entire uh, trees, oak trees, only live on oak trees. But they have these spikes, these these little hairs that are very poisonous. And uh, a caterpillar goes through several growing stages, just like snakes. They shed their skin. And these little hairs are dispersed by the wind. And when you, as an animal or a human being... Enter in contact with those hairs; it causes a very, very annoying rash. It's very, uh, can be very painful, but it can also create incredible itch. One little hair can can cause can give you marks on your legs or on your arms that look like you've been stung by at least a dozen uh, mosquitoes. And it's it's extremely annoying. Uh, people have also gotten these things in their eyes, or in the, even inhaled them, and cause a lot of lung problems. And this has become a national plague. Uh, it's it's uh, much much worse compared to last year. And um, and of uh, the, the one of the ways in which our government uh, and the cities are trying to combat this is by sucking them up with. <laughs> with uh, specialized uh, crews that are wearing uh, airtight suits. It looks like they're uh, on a moon expedition or something like that. But that, of course, is all symptomatic uh, 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 action. The real reason that we have this Caterpillar Plague is because of our very um, uniform environment, Uh, especially here in the Netherlands, Everything, every oh, then We have a tendency, because it's such a small country and we have so many inhabitants, that every bit of nature is super regulated. So we have a lot of oak trees. This was um, very much the thing to do in city planning. Let's make these broad lanes with tons and tons of oak trees. And then we will put some grass, but we're going to mow the grass like every week. And everything is super tidy. And it turns out that is what's, what's causing the real problems right now. So we, we put a lot of oak trees next to busy roads to kind of counteract perhaps the pollution of those roads and the noise. The thing is, birds don't nest in those trees because birds like to be you know in a more quiet environment. And if you don't have birds, you don't have a natural enemy of those caterpillars. So they can grow, expand, uh, multiply... Um the same is true for a number of insects that normally would eat these caterpillars those insects only thrive amongst wildflowers in grass that is not that is you know much higher much taller than what we have in our cities and in our villages and so we're slowly discovering that we have uh, our our own shortsightedness to, to to blame for this disaster uh, because that's kind of it's, this is going to be a it already is a disaster and it's going to get much worse. I've had trouble with these caterpillars for 4 weeks now and it is terrible. It, it, right now they're on my left leg. It's full of those those big red dots and they itch and you can't scratch. If you scratch it gets much worse. There is I can feel now that there are a few on my back here underneath my shoulder blades. So that's recent, that's probably from today's walk. And I think I may have had one in my on my upper eyelid because it itches as well and is red and swollen. So And, and that's just me and I'm not even going to the doctor. We know that, uh, that we have hundreds of thousands of people that are suffering the consequences that went to the doctor. So this is, this is really a catastrophe. Um, we have our, ourselves to blame for this. And this is why these caterpillars have to do with Pope Francis, because Pope Francis uh, a couple of years ago wrote an encyclical an encyclical letter about creation and about our relationship to the to the world that God has given us, and uh, and, and 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 analyzes what happens if we don't res- if we if we mistreat the world in which we live. If we destroy nature, if we only use nature for our own you know, financial gain, and we, we, we are destroying our planet uh, at a uh, very frightening pace, and it has tremendous consequences because, it reminds Pope Francis us, we are all connected. We're connected to each other. We're connected to nature. There is a balance in creation that is God-given, and we are constantly messing this up for our own profit. And oftentimes, and that is one of the main points of criticism of Pope Francis, the the, the poorest countries suffer the most from our exploitation of, of our natural reserves and of our planet. And so he, he makes a call for more solidarity, not just uh, between human beings, but also... Uh, solidarity with the planet and the world, the, the the natural world in which we live, and if we don't respect it, it's gonna we're gonna be punished uh, uh, almost immediately, and so a lot of the natural disasters that that occur, the the these huge climate fluctuations, um the the extreme drought in third world countries, the uh, ever increasing extremes in the weather and we've noticed that here in the Netherlands year after year after year we're breaking record after record Um, if we don't change our behavior and this is where it gets a spiritual component, if we don't convert back to uh, a, a, a more selfishless way of treating our natural resources then this will have very dire consequences for the poorest people in the world first but then also for us and that is a real now that we have this 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 uh, catastrophe and there are also a lot of um uh other people n- not religious at all that tell the same stories we re- we need to rediscover how nature is supporting us and how we need to treat nature so that it prevents this balance from being uh disrupted and uh the you already see in my country that, uh, in addition to, of course, the symptomatic approach where they are trying to suck up all these uh, nasty caterpillars, uh, there are already a lot of efforts to uh, incentivize people to, for instance, not mow the grass in their garden, to keep you know wild flowers in the back in their front and back garden, to not mow the grass uh, among you know uh, uh, next to our our roads and and lanes, and I can tell the difference. I, well, I do a lot of walking nowadays, and there are so many more wildflowers around this time of the year than there were five years ago. And I really love that. It's it's, it's beautiful. You see all these colors, and it's it's bringing back. It's it's turning th- the Netherlands, which is a very tidy, well-regulated, but also kind of boring country, it's making it look more like the Shire, especially with all those flowers and the high tall grass and everything. Plus. All those insects will help us combat the bad ones that are so annoying. And this is, of course, just one plague. And we, we can get so many other problems uh, in the in the future because there are other insects that, because of these rising temperatures, are migrating from the southern countries to the northern countries. Uh, there are certain types of uh, mosquitoes, for instance, that are now uh, seen in, in my country, some even carrying diseases that were... Only in in North Africa in the past or in in Italy, but they're so. We're, we're, this is not. This is just the beginning of the story. This is going to get much much worse. And I hope that we can react quickly and swiftly. It has also already uh, impacted the way that I treat the nature around me. For instance, spiders. If you're a long time listener to my show, you know that I have a great fear of spiders. Not just a regular. Like, ew, yuck. No, I have a completely unreasonable um, Ron Weasley slash Bilbo Frodo fear of spiders. I really hate them. And so I was always trying to keep my house as spider-free as possible. But then I got this this these other little critters that are walking around in my house, some of which are very fast and very small, and they're everywhere. They're in the cupboards, and they... Uh, that they're very, very hard to to combat, actually impossible to combat. And then I'm thinking, well, you know what? The natural enemy of those, of those other insects that are very annoying are spiders. And then so in, I have a sunroom, which is really nice in the summertime, very cold in the winter. And I noticed that underneath one of the windows, there was this little pile of dead insects. And I was like, how is that possible? Where are these coming from? And why are these insects dying there? And, and, and it's the kind of insect. So every week I would, you know, sweep the floor and, and throw them away. And every week there's a new pile of insects. And it's so weird. And then all of a sudden it hit me. There is a spider behind the radiator. And that spider is... Ca- catching all those insects. And w- what I see on the floor are the remains. They're like the bones of the chicken wings, you know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's the result of, the, of dinner time. And from that, so so now, from that moment on, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to try to live with these spiders. I'm going to tolerate them. And I will not destroy them anymore. And so now I have in a number of my uh uh, rooms in in the in Rectory, I, I've i got a few spiders sitting there. Not the very big ones. I still think I... I'm, uh, I don't like the shelop type spiders. I may have to do something against those. But the smaller ones, I'll just leave them there because during the night, they're doing their job. They're keeping my home free of other insects. And that's just my reconciliation. I never thought I'd see the day that I would be happy to have spiders in my house because they're helping me and they are establishing a certain balance in my house and I think that a lot of the problems that I had with other insects in my home previously was because of my fear of spiders and because I didn't want any spiders in my home. So I've learned something. Anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you, and now we have to move from the world of spiders and caterpillars and popes to the world of books. Uh, That's not the right trailer, Uh, the the right jingle. That is a video game jingle. How is that possible? Oh, I remember. I've been uh, switching those because I didn't have a book uh, review last week, so I took this jingle from the games to replace... The other one. I'm trying to quickly find the other jingle, the book jingle, because I'm a perfectionist, and I've got this big collection of jingles. And one of the advantages, I can just uh, drag and drop these jingles on the player of the roadcaster and then it will upload it to the to the to the machine. And I can now press the same same exactly exact same button, and hopefully, it will give me the book jingle. Yes! It works! When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Reading, reading, reading. I love reading. I've been trying to find more time to read, and now I have made a discovery that is changing my reading habits again. I've discovered a service called Storytel. It's originally from Sweden, like Swedish meatballs and IKEA and uh, it is um, a a, a company that resembles Audible. Audible of course is this American company it's bought by Amazon and uh, they give you a subscription model where you pay a certain amount every month and then you can download I think two books one or two audiobooks per month which is kinda reasonable because most people only read one book per month well Storytel has a different approach. Storytel wants to be the Netflix of audiobooks. So you pay one fee per week uh, per month. It's uh, in right now in my country it's 11.99 so 12 euros per week per month. That is that's a lot of money, but what you get in return is that you can listen to any audiobook from a collection of thousands, tens of thousands of audiobooks. Not just in Dutch, like I initially presumed, but also in English. Most of, like 90% of their catalog is in English. And they have everything. It's unbelievable. And so I'm currently on a two-week trial uh, that is free. But I already know after three days that I'm going to get a subscription to this because I have discovered books that I didn't even know existed. And I'm so enjoying this ability to just listen to an audiobook, pick one, I'm just browsing the website, and it's like, ooh, I want to listen to that one, and I, I click on it. it, it can download to your phone, so you can listen offline as well, it's not just stream, streaming, and of course it's subscription-based, it's different from Audible, with Audible you get that book and you, you can keep it for the rest of your life, but most audiobooks, I listen to them once, and so I'm totally happy to just rent the books in a certain way. And uh, I've been listening to a couple of books. The first one that I listened to is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And it's an audiobook book that is uh, uh, made of the, the original book that J.K. Rowling wrote for charity. She wanted to help, uh, I, I think it was a charity for orphanages or, or for orphans. And of course, Harry Potter being an orphan uh, kind of makes sense that, that she was raising money for that charity. And so she wrote a little book with descriptions of all the magical monsters and creatures that we saw in the Harry Potter uh, books and movies, but also a lot of magical creatures that were not mentioned in the books or only mentioned. And this is, this was supposed to be a textbook that is, was mentioned by Harry and Hermione and Ron uh, and that they were using in their classes at Hogwarts, um, written by Newt's Commander. And of course, that later on became the inspiration for the current Movie series that is based on the adventures of of Newt Scamander, um, and Newt was a, a masologist, like a magical zoologist, um, uh, who lived in the, I think it's the 30s. So it, uh, you see the kind of the rise of um, of. Of fascism, also in a magical world, and the movies, the current movies are are telling their uh, the stories of of Newt's Commander. the The cool thing, so this is not the screenplay for the first movie. That's what I wanted to say. The cool thing about this book is that it is read in its current form by Eddie Redmayne, who is the actor who actually plays Newt's Commander. And they also added a few little. Uh, uh extra excerpts at the beginning of that story um, to kind of uh, explain why uh, how the, how this book ties into the to the story of the the developing story of the movies and of course kind of tricky because uh, JK Rowling doesn't doesn't want to spoil the the upcoming movies uh, and yet, the, you can you can be you can bet that all the creatures that are in the original Fantastic Beasts manual will play a role in in the current and in the future movies. So here's a little fragment of that book uh, read by uh, Eddie Redmayne about the creation of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. I'm not yet in a position to tell the full story of my activities during the two decades that Gellert Grindelwald terrorized the wizarding world. As more documents become declassified over the coming years, I will be freer to speak openly about my role during that dark period in our history. So you you, you hear now, you hear I the voice to of Eddie Redmayne, and and it really helps to, to it makes the book much more appealing because it's actually the professor himself that is reading to you, and he does a very good job also. Um some of the of the uh, so it's like, like a dictionary of animals and so it, a lot of the entries are accompanied by sound effects that are coming from the movies and from the studio where the where the movies were filmed and that also enhances the experience of the of the book quite a bit. So this is just one of those one of those uh audiobooks where I think uh, the audio aspect of it really adds to the overall experience of the story, and it's not really a story, but of the, of the book itself. It's, it's a very quick read, I think I, it takes about two or three hours, but I enjoyed it very, very much, and it's a, one of those books that I would probably not read if it was just on paper. Uh, but with the sound effects and with the voice of uh, Eddie Redmayne, it, it, it turns into a really enjoyable experience. Another book, and this is a much, much bigger book, it's 22 hours long, um, that I'm currently reading or listening to, is riveting. This, this alone makes it worthwhile to subscribe to Storytell for Me. And it's a book called Anything You Can Imagine, Peter Jackson and the Making of Middle-Earth. It's written by Ian Nathan, and read by Tristan Weimark, has a great reading voice, and it describes the uh, history of Peter Jackson's Middle-earth saga. So, uh, and, and it starts years and years before the even the project got started, so it tells the story of how uh, Tolkien lost the rights, the movie rights, and the gaming rights also, the video game rights, um and, and why he sold the rights to those books. Um, how for for decades, people have been trying to turn this into movies, um, something that that Tolkien was very skeptical about. And then at one point, Peter Jackson gets interested. But that it's unbelievable if you hear how many hurdles they had to take before they could start making these movies. So it's also a history of the movie industry. In Hollywood, in New Zealand, it takes place in a lot of different countries, and um, it's so well told. And it's based, I think, on a lot of interviews with Peter Jackson and um, and Fran and Philip Boyens. Uh, those three always work together to write the the scripts. And it also gives you very good insight in in Peter Jackson's own way of thinking. And he's not uh, Peter Jackson is not religious, as far as I know. But he believes in fate. He believes that he was meant to make these movies, and um, and and that his his way of life, which is also very uh, very char- characteristic for for um, the the New Zealand lifestyle, I I recognize in his style. That's why I enjoy these audio commentaries so much, um, because. He, he is very much like my, my other friends in, in uh, kind of consider Peter Jackson a friend, even though I've never met him. I almost met him when I was there. Oh, man. I was doing a visit of Weta Studios in, uh, in Wellington, and uh, a friend of mine was coming to pick me up after the tour. And so I came out after this two-hour tour, and he said, you just missed Peter Jackson. He literally just walked by. <laughs> No! <laughs> but anyway, Peter Jackson, uh, is, it, it's, it's a very laid back, very pragmatic attitude, um, very calm, not at all this frenetic, you know, like uh, pushy atmosphere of, of Hollywood um, and, and kind of this American business life that he needs to deal with anyway. Um so it's a really fascinating story and it again it shows me how much love went into the creation of these movies and also explains sometimes the, the choices that we as Tolkien fans never understood like why why is it so commercial why why are they milking this story and and it also explains i think a lot of 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 how the hobbit turned into a three movie uh, epic uh, this was never um, Peter Jackson's choice um, but it's just the way the movie industry works and and, uh, and he has to deal with it and I think given the circumstances I have so much admiration for what they've been able to pull off I don't think we'll ever see uh, a movie series um, of this quality and I can only hope that this upcoming Amazon Middle Earth series will take cues from from this book from from the experiences of uh, of Peter Jackson because telling a story and filming a movie is one thing but the business aspect and what's going on the negotiations and how sometimes by sheer luck something happens that leads ultimately to the creation of the of these movies it's unbelievable i would say instead of calling it fate i would call it providence maybe this is a story that needs to be told in in movie form and I know that a lot of people have discovered Tolkien through the movies and then thanks to the these movies discovered the catholic world and and world view of Peter Jackson and 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 so who knows what role in god's overall plan uh, a guy like Peter Jackson plays and if you see how often this could have gone wrong this this movie is it's almost a small miracle that these movies were ever made so uh, that is why I love listening to this book it's very i'm just going to again play a little fragment of the of the story um just to to give you a sample of the of the reading voice of this book. you can sense it. It was absolutely extraordinary. You don't know you could never know here finally was the first proof that a level of psychological and emotional detail could be conveyed through ones and noughts. That thought could be conveyed through the combination of my performance and what they were doing at Wetter Digital. This is this is a, a, the preface um, uh, by um, the guy who, who plays Gollum. Uh, name escaped me here for a second. But anyway, the, the, this is the type of voice that I can listen to for hours and hours and hours. Peter Jackson and the Making of Middle-earth Anything You Can Imagine by Ian Nathan. Highly recommend it. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. And I've been playing with my new phone for one week now. And it is really, really good. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I got this phone. I'm talking about the uh, Asus Zenfone 6. A phone unfortunately unavailable in the Netherlands because of a lawsuit by Philips for a patent. Uh, but easily uh, obtainable through Amazon in Germany. So this was sent to me uh, about a week ago. And what makes this this camera so special is that it has two lenses, a wide-angle lens and a very high-quality regular lens that actually flips up and can also be used as a front-facing camera. So if I click on the photo app and then I want to make a selfie, you'll hear hear this. That's the camera uh, flipping... Uh, flipping up and pointing forward. This has tremendous uh, advantages, of course. It, uh, it, it, for instance, it gives me a wide-angle front-facing camera, which is fantastic for selfies. It's always been my biggest problem with the old iPhone that I had is that the selfie camera is such low quality and is not wide-angle, so it's always very hard to fit everyone into the picture. With this wide-angle no problem whatsoever also amazing for vlogging having being able to use a wide angle camera when you're walking uh filming yourself uh, it gives so much more background and and makes gives space and and air to breathe to your videos the other camera is just good the, the wide angle is is not the same quality as the other camera but it's good enough and it's got hdr and a lot of tricks um and uh, the the only thing that makes me a little bit queasy is is this mechanical aspect of it so the camera flips up and i'm thinking oh provided i don't drop this on the floor uh apparently it has a some kind of a safety mechanism when it f- detects that it's falling down it will quickly close the camera so it can't break off but i'm still it has it comes with a uh, with a case a transparent case hard plastic and I don't like it at all. It's very slippery, and I've got sweaty hands, especially in this summer time. So I definitely need to get myself another case that has more grip. It's kind of the problem with a lot of phones nowadays that they're so—I mean, they look beautiful on photos because they're so smooth and they have a glass back, uh, but it's not the best for you know holding it. So that has uh, spurned, I think, a, a huge. Uh, accessory accessory market for uh, for these casings. Another thing that I really enjoy about this camera, uh, about this phone, is the screen. Because it, there is no camera on the front at all, because it flips up. Uh, this phone is completely bezelless. Um, it has no notch, nothing. It's just one big screen, and I, I love that. Uh, it's it's a very nice. it's an LED uh, screen, so it's not um, OLED. But I have to say this is so much better than any phone I've ever had. so I, I, I enjoy this. It gets pretty bright, not as bright as the brightest phones on the market, but good enough to read and in, in daylight. Uh it's super fast. This one has the latest processor. So it's buttery smooth, scrolling, installing apps, even launching apps very, very fast. and uh, and it it has almost stock Android on it. as one of the downsides of a a non iOS world is that every phone manufacturer can take, android and modify it and so a lot of phones have bloatware and uh they only issue um updates very irregularly some phones after two years you don't get any updates whatsoever um so this uh asus has uh, made sure that their um uh, the the operating system is almost uh, like stock Android, and they are pledging to do very regular updates. They've even given the phone to a lot of uh, indie developers um, to to kind of improve on the on the uh, operating system. So that is probably gonna play a role in the longevity of this phone because if uh, if you have indie developers, uh, they can they can update the operating system. Long after the uh, the company itself has stopped doing that, something again that you can't do in the world of iOS, like I have with the phone and with the iPad, um, they're end of life. Uh, Apple is no longer gonna bring me the newer updates. the os, what is it thirteen won't be able to uh, to play on my old equipment the um the last thing that I really love about this phone is the uh, the battery. This has a four thousand. Mega Ampere, I think, uh, battery, it lasts almost two days. Uh, I've been using this thing non-stop for uh, the entire day, and it's now only at 78%. I can tell you, even my iPad would be empty by now. (laughs) So this is going to be amazing for my trips. Uh, Like, for instance, when I'm going to walk those four days, uh, next next week, I can safely carry this with me the entire day. I can uh, consult it, I can vlog with it, I can do so mu- much with it, and, and the battery will still be um, probably only half uh, empty at the end of the day. Uh, and because of all this power, it can also run almost any program, games and uh, multimedia. Uh, I can play YouTube videos on this thing Uh, all day long, and it still won't deplete the battery. Uh, That was very high up on my wish list. Um, And I'm very glad that this phone uh, does fulfill its promises. It even has a warning system. So at one point, it was like, hmm do you want extra assistance in, in, in optimizing your battery usage? Because we've noticed that you've plugged this in and then you didn't really uh, use your phone for a while. That's not very good for the, for the battery quality. So we can coach you. Do you want that? I was like, yeah, sure. And so now it, it gives me tips on, the, well, this is when you have to charge it and uh, this is how you, have to s- how you can do optimal settings for this phone to last as 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 long as possible. Um, there's one app that I uh, I'm going to purchase tonight probably, and it's a it's a must-have app if you want to do any type of uh, video production. If you want to do video production on your phone, it's Filmic. Filmic is a is a very advanced uh, camera uh, app that enables you to film in a flat profile. So normally when you use your phone to take pictures or to film video, what you don't know is that there's a lot of software um, that that springs into action and tries to optimize your picture so that it is vibrant and it is, uh, you know, good-looking. That's not always very helpful when you're using uh, your phone to film video that you then later on want to use for professional productions, for instance. So with Filmic... You can film in s log, which is, uh, and and there are some other names for this. Basically, the same uh, idea. You film with reduced uh, contrast. the The colors are more muted, but the the sensor of your of your camera tries to capture as much detail as possible. But because it's trying to To get as much detail in the both in the in the lighter parts of your picture and in the darker parts, the the end result looks very flat, almost desaturated. But all the information is there, and then you can then import that video footage into your editing program, whether it's Avid or Premiere or Final Cut, and then you can use color grading to to uh, improve the the picture. The the difference with the software that Apple and Android normally uh, applies to your pictures is that you are in control, and uh, you can you can do whatever you want with that picture because as long as the information is there, you can you can you can modify it. Um, but if the highlights are completely crushed or the blacks are crushed because of that that optimization software uh, by Apple or or Android, then There's no way you can correct that later on. Plus, the phones, normally a phone will record in 30 frames per second or 29.8 frames per second, something like that. Uh, It's a standard that is very compatible with the American uh, uh, frame rates on television. So uh, if you are in, in North America and some other countries, your image is 60 Hertz. So that means that um, it's refreshed 30 times per second um, interlaced. so that gives you a total uh, amount of frames like that, that you perceive of 60 frames. That's why um, telenovelas you know um, like cheap television looks so so extremely smooth and almost fake. Remember when the Hobbit came out and it was at this high frame rate. Um, twenty forty-eight instead of twenty-four, which is normally the frame rate of of movies, and, and and a lot of people were complaining like it doesn't look cinematic at all. But actually, what you're seeing is a much better picture than the original uh, cinematic norm, which was there to preserve um cellu- celluloid is uh, to 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 preserve film stock and 24 frames per second is what you it's kind of the minimum you need to get a more or less fluid movement but then of course these these um on, in in America uh, 30 frames or 60 frames that is very compatible with phones that are also that's why phones are recording in 30 frames the problem is here in Europe and in many other parts of the world the, the norm is not 60 hertz, it's 50. And so our television is 25 frames per second. So every movie that is filmed in 24 frames per second is played here on television in 25 frames per second. That is why uh, the, the audio, for instance, is slightly higher pitched. It's imperceptible. But I noticed this when I was filming my reaction videos to Star Wars trailers. And the Star Wars trailer on YouTube is usually posted in 24 frames per second. I was recording my reaction in 25 frames per second. And then I tried to insert um, the trailer in a little insert in, in, in my reaction video. And it didn't work because... There were frames missing, and so the, the, uh, the, the thing in the beginning, the first few seconds are in sync, and then it gets more and more out of sync. So you see me react to, to something that has already been in the trailer, and then I seem to react like three seconds later, and it's because of this frame rate difference. So for, for me, that, is a, that poses a big problem. It means I can't use a regular phone, like for instance my iPhone, I can't use that footage for television because then I have to down-convert it from 30 frames to 25 frames per second. And that, cr- or, yeah. and that creates a lot of, uh, of, of problems, because then you have to fit 30 frames into 25 frames, so then the, your editing program will use frame blending, which is basically using two frames and squeeze them into one frame, and you get a lot of blurriness, and it, it looks terrible, and even movement doesn't look smooth at all. Now, Filmic, the Filmic app... Uh, doesn't work on all phones because it needs to. Be, the phone, the operating system, the ROMs, the whatever needs to be open to Filmic's um, control. But Filmic will allow me to film in 30 frames per second, in 25 frames per second, in 100 frames per second. So it has variable frame rate, which is absolutely vital. So if I'm going to film during that uh, four-day walk for my TV show. I'll make sure that I'll film that with filmmake in 25 frames per second, so that it is no problem for me to convert that. Uh, I've learned my lesson from my camino that I filmed in 30 frames per second on the on the iPhone, and then I could not convert it to 25 frames. We've we've we spent days trying to downconvert that, and it still looks terrible compared to the original. Now, this is all a temporary problem, of course, because these frame rates are redundant now that we live in a time of online video. And uh, when, if you watch Netflix, uh, without you knowing, it's actually constantly changing frame rates. You have stuff that is filmed 50 frames per second, 24 frames per second, 30 frames per second, 100 frames per second. Um, who cares? Your, your television is adapting to the source. Um, but not so for television. Television always goes through these, you know, the, the equipment of the companies, of the broadcasting companies, and that they only work in the frame rate and in the frequency, the standard frequencies of that particular country. So uh, uh, converting a, a, a movie that is made in, in Europe to um, for American audiences always creates problems. And that's why you need like very sophisticated hardware and software to, to kind of convert that in a way that is acceptable. But for most of us, that is way too expensive and, and a very time-consuming uh, um, process. So I'd rather film in the frame rate that is necessary for my particular target audience. All right, that's it for today. That's what I wanted to share with you. I'm super glad with this Asus. I hope I don't drop it. Because that's the only thing that scares me. What will happen if I drop this on the floor? And by the way, one last thing that I love about this phone... It's got a fingerprint reader that finally works. Oh man, I missed that for years. And it's... uh, I don't want to go back. Thank you for listening. Uh, Next couple of weeks, I will not be producing regular podcasts... But I will be on YouTube. And the reason, of course, is that I don't have access to the... to, To my studio equipment when I'm walking and also in Ireland... I'm not taking any any of that with me, but I will be creating video stuff. And if you want to follow me, make sure you're subscribed to my Facebook and Twitter accounts and Instagram for the photos. That's all Father Roderick. And also make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash Father Roderick for the vlogs. All right, thanks for listening. Thanks to my patrons at patreon.com. For them, I'm going to record my little uh, after show. And if you want to have access to that after show, which is a special podcast for my supporters, then become one. Go over to patreon.com slash father roderick. You can already become a patron for just one buck a month. What is one buck a month? Anyway, thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Take care, and God bless.